Hey, podcasters. On today's episode of Business of Glam, we sit down with the amazing Sarah Francis. She's an author, photographer, photojournalist, and so much more. On today's episode, we're going to chat with her about what it takes to reinvent yourself after a 45-year-long career as a master photographer, what it takes to publish a book, and how a little glow-up never hurt anybody. This is definitely an episode you don't want to miss. So grab a glass of bubbles and enjoy. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Lindsay, this is totally fun. I am just hot for, <laughs> for glamour and fun and photography and second careers. Everything you like to talk about, that's my yeah. subject also. <laughs> well, perfect. We're going to have a great time then. Uh, oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well, tell everybody just who you are and a little bit about yourself. Well, I am very proud to be two months in front of my 70th birthday with a second career just burgeoning on the edge of creation here, as well as a second love in my life, only 16 years past, and my sweet new husband, who was my high school sweetheart, has been my severest critic, my greatest muse, and he is responsible in great extent for the enthusiasm of my writing and book career, which is just about to really take off. Um, So what I can tell you is I'm more than 45 years master photographer and a writer only since the sixth grade when I fell in love with words and how you put them on paper and enjoying them later. I love that. That's such a beautiful way to just communicate your love for writing. Well, that's the thing. When I started to learn that photography was going to be my career, I I happened to be in Germany, in Heidelberg, at the university between my bachelor's and master's, discovered that the way to communicate was through the camera, and that I was able to uh, start conversations Mm -hmm. with local people, whereas otherwise, I was the outsider. I had no in no way to begin to find out about them and once i had the camera and i asked permission to make photographs or of their home or their business or whatever and we struck up conversations it was just so much interesting to expand one's world uh, about other people other cultures and of course that's that's what my family was all about we have all different sorts uh, of people from around the world married in uh, to our family. From the early Americans, I'm actually a DAR uh, on my mother's side, and then we have Chinese, we have Japanese, we have Middle Easterners, Germans. Of course, Carl, that husband I'm talking about, he's an Austrian, (laughs) and, uh, well, anyway, bunches of people from all over, and so that was something I grew up with that's really important Mm -hmm. to me. A heritage shared is an extraordinary, wonderful thing with other people. How did you fall in love with photography? Was it through schooling, or did you just pick up a camera one day? It was actually that time in Heidelberg when I realized that that was the thing that made it possible for me uh, 
in the vernacular to outreach to other people. Mm-hmm. That that was my line of communication. I was kind of shy, mm-hmm. and I've learned not to be shy. <laughs> but so I have to have the camera in my hands. That's that's my way of getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Did you specialize in anything? People. Or- People. Oh, yes. People right away. Um, I love looking at landscapes, mm-hmm. but I look once and and then it's kind of gone. Yeah. But pictures of people and situations, events, things going on, I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about your book that you have, your second career. Oh, the book. Oh, yes. Well, it's been a few years. I discovered thinking about it, that I had an archive of pictures back from the late 50s, the late 50s, so 60 years worth of photographs from the Taos Pueblo in Taos in New Mexico, the Taos environs, artists that we have known. My family was involved in arts and um, music, and so we knew loads of different people. And I thought about it, and I said, oh, we need to make a portfolio mm-hmm. of this. And then that husband of mine, he said, oh, no, that won't do. You've got to write. Okay, so I thought about that, and I said, hmm, hmm, <laughs> And so I started to write little bits of poetry. And I showed that to him, and then he said, it's not enough. You've got to write about your experiences. Well, that was a new thing, writing memoir. I started out thinking, well, I have to tell the story of the place. I have to talk about history. I have to talk about the people, the the many different parts of society that come together in our Four Corners region, and particularly um, any of the Indian areas. In, um, and I wrote, oh, probably 10,000 words. And then I discovered that was not the story. The story was what the people that I got to know, the places, the reactions that I had, looking at the extraordinary clouds that can be northern New Mexico. All kinds of things like that. Mm -hmm. Having dinner at El Farol in Santa Fe, finding these funny little boutiques and of course the the awe of the pueblo buildings that have been there for longer than anybody knows um so i started rewriting and then then i presented that and then he said this won't do uh because i put all the writing at the front of the book and he said, no, it's it's got to be in chapters. You've got to organize it. You've got to put the things about the weather and the clouds all together. Spring in New Mexico, how does that look? Then you've got to put the things about the powwows, the dancers in their regalia. You must collect that and collect your thoughts about those individual things chapter about the buildings themselves, chapters about the children that you've met in the Pueblo. And so we started again (laughs) on the rewriting and reorganizing this to the point where now I am just so proud that I've gotten forwards written by a number of really marvelous people, including Peter Hasrick, who was 
the head of the Petrie uh, Institute of Western Art at the Denver Art Museum and is uh, curator emeritus in Cody, Wyoming of the Buffalo Bill Center of the West, which is, if you've never been any place in Wyoming, that's the place to go. Extraordinary museum. And then Stan Cuba, who is part of the Kirkland Museum here, uh, a wonderful woman I met, um, Debbie Lujan, who is um, a photographer in, um, in Taos, and another Luan, Antonia, uh, who is also a teacher of the Tiwa language, which has no writing. So all of these people have helped me. That's incredible. Putting it all together, and I'm so excited. We're hoping to publish by the end of the year and um, get this out there on the spring catalogs of the, the publishers. And this is your first time ever doing a book? Oh, no. Or you've no, done no, no. books in the past? Um, I had a, a, a really quite marvelous book about our commercial work, which was um, the most elegant weddings that you could imagine. Uh, that was our claim to fame in studio time. Uh, I had a book uh, published um, with um, uh, Amphoto, which is a division of Random House, which was philosophy and art of black and white weddings. Uh, and that's uh, about 10 years ago. So that was my first... First time. First time. <laughs> but they did everything. This time, I did the layout. Mm-hmm. I did the writing. I did absolutely everything. So, yes, that part is new and always oh, it a lot of work. It seems like a big act of love and passion, though, for you. Oh, you have to. <laughs> Uh, you have to be so incredibly dedicated to mm-hmm. this. I did uh, become a member of the Independent Publishers Association here uh, in Colorado, the SEPA people, and I will have to give a shout-out to them. I've learned so much from both the authors who are members and also the various providers, editors, designers, uh, just picking up little hints here and there. And, of course, that slave-driving husband I've got who keeps telling me he wants more. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he's right. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything he said is absolutely amazing. How could he be so right Mm -hmm. and have absolutely nothing to do with the content? And yet, there it is. I love that. I love the passion behind it, too. Oh, uh, well... And fortunately, when we found each other again after 35 years, um, we just kind of slid right in together. And we, I think we probably talk about things, I don't know, a couple of hours every day. And that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Especially us older folks. You know, we tend to get in our little caves and right. sit there and... <laughs> and uh, not so here. We we are definitely participants mm-hmm. with each other. What is your best advice that you have for somebody that's looking to start a second chapter or to venture wow. into something new? Well, <laughs> venturing into something new is both scary, but the greatest possible thing that you could do. Honestly, um, of older people, I do see 
that it, it's easy to get burned out. Mm-hmm. It's easy not to participate. It's easy not to look at new things. And yet the truth of the matter is that art saves lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter what your art is, uh, whether it's painting and two-dimensional art or sculpture or well we were talking about your profession Mm -hmm. that is past of being participant in this wonderful spa idea and the plastic surgery Mm -hmm. recreating oneself major art right there Mm -hmm. and so a great many things can be considered as art and that's what just it just elevates the soul somehow. You get involved, and none of it's easy. 10,000 hours, ha, make that twenty or 30,000 hours uh, to, to get proficient. But the journey is part of it. Uh, making the mistakes of the book has been the whole deal. Uh, that now I know all the steps that it took. So uh, advice to give... It, my experience has been that the inspiration found me. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is that somehow I, I have people react to me, that they want to tell me things of sometimes rather intimate detail, and we've hardly met. Carl says that I have some kind of an aura that makes me approachable. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether that's the right word, but people do gravitate. And when you yourself are enthusiastic, engaged, interested in what they're doing, somehow they come back to you like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, society is so fractioned over... Um, lack of one-on-one communication that when when it happens people just get happy in two seconds and of course that's the best part Mm -hmm. it's getting happy yeah what are some of like you said 45 years as a master photographer yes that's a long career span (laughs) I, I, i mean that that is just horrendous to think of that i i have been engaged in some 4,000 weddings, bar mitzvahs, family events over that number of years. And of course, now uh, events are pretty elaborate. Mm -hmm. When I started out, I'm so old that a wedding was, gosh, 20 minutes and uh, 30 minutes of punch and and a cake in the church basement. (laughs) It has definitely evolved from there. Oh, Totally. But speaking of the involving, the involvement of kind of just the ever evolving, if I could get my words out, we'll edit that part. <laughs> um, the world of photography, how much change have you seen? Oh, it, it, it's a change. Uh, well, here's an, an ex, a way to express that. My grandmother lived to 101. She lived through, from 1889, she lived through so many different changes of illumination, from candles, whale oil, uh, kerosene, the burgeoning of electric lights, uh, atomic power, 
if you can imagine, and even into LEDs. She lived through all of that. Something similar has happened to photography, literally, um, gosh, I'd say in less than 20 years. Uh, so when we started out, of course, it was all film. And, well, uh, you had so few things that you could do. Mm-hmm. If you needed to change uh, how a film reacted, you had to do it chemically. I was allergic to all the chemicals, naturally. Uh, and so that was always a problem. I, w- I would get terrific rashes. So digital, oh, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. They don't have to deal with the chemistry anymore. Um, when we uh, retouched pictures in the past, we used watercolors, we used ink, we used colored pencils, we used lamp black uh, and lacquers and things. And now, of course... Um, well, it's easy for me mm-hmm. because I know what we used to do, and therefore all I have to do is figure out. Okay, in Photoshop, how do you do the same thing? Mm-hmm. And that's why um, I have the unofficial title of Pixel Surgeon <laughs> <laughs> because I can alter things so easily and niftily that uh, that it comes out just the way you want it. And of course, you don't want to overdo it. Uh, just because you can make something really brilliant, oversaturated colors, do you, is that real? Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Generally, that's a no. But uh, the intent is to use all these manipulations to give not just a specific scene, but to give the emotion that you, the photographer, are trying to convey. That's the same whether it is a landscape or a person's face. Mm-hmm. How do you think iPhones have changed the world <laughs> oh, of photography? Goodness. We're just full of questions <laughs> that are important. Um, well, we we were early adopters of iPhones. And so we've certainly had them since the beginning. The main thing that it changed for us is to be able to, I have all of it on my big computers. I use a double screen, two 30-inch uh, monitors. They don't even make that size anymore, but I have kept them. Um, everything is on my computer, but then because Apple makes it possible for us to coordinate, I see everything on my phone, and he sees everything on his phone. So we have our contacts and our calendars, which... That regulates life. But then we have all these other things. And the interaction with social media, which is absolutely essential, not just for business, but for the book and uh, talking to friends. Um, I frequently am sending messages now to a lady friend in Italy who translated um, an article I wrote for the newspaper in northern Italy and some artists in Mexico, and it's just, it goes all over. Um, the, the neat part about the photography through the cell phone is, oh yes, I can do all kinds of things that you would think weren't possible mm-hmm. with a cell phone. And the apps are fabulous. I alternate between Photoshop and the apps on the phone, and um, there's several other um, programs that I use. Uh, Nick, uh, that's a, an actual name of a company, NIK. Their um, manipulations are quite wonderful. 
and that makes it possible for me to take any image and turn it into something that's different. It's no longer a photograph. It's a different kind of art. Mm-hmm. And it's expressing much more of the emotion. And that's where I'm going. I love that. With all of the changes that have happened in the industry, how do you just always stay passionate and evolving and learn all of the new apps and I know that I cha- I'm challenged all the time. <laughs> oh, I, and the beauty yes. world's always ever evolving as well. But how did you kind of deal with those challenges, or as they came up? Well, um, we actually, when we started in digital, uh, there's a an interesting story about that. Uh, we were invited by a company who had cornered the market of handmade leather books, albums. Uh, They're no longer in business. But at that time, we became um, a focus group. We were part of a focus group for them. They were moving their uh, manufacturing to the Maquiladores area of Tijuana. They took 24 of us to San Diego, and then we visited the factory. At that time... Of the group of people gathered, there were two couples, younger than us, who had just started in digital. We looked at each other and said, yeah, right, we could do this. Uh, And everybody else who was there said, oh, they'll never do digital. And we just very quietly went home, scrapped all our film cameras, (laughs) and went digital the next day, which was a challenge. And we didn't quite fall flat on our faces, but I realized that I needed to know stuff really fast. Mm -hmm. I started hiring experts. And I would hire one person as long as it took to um, learn what that person had to tell us. And when we realized that we knew more about art than they did, then I moved on to the next person. That went on for about six months. And then we realized that we were just finding our own way. And no, it isn't easy. There is stuff that I cannot fathom as to why Photoshop works a certain way. Um, So I'm a very good user. Um, What should I say? An analog soul Mm -hmm. (laughs) operating in a digital world. Um, So we, we really tried hard to learn professionally, not just flounder around. Um, no sense in not getting schooled. Mm-hmm. I love that. We can always all learn and continue oh, to learn. <laughs> I learn something new every day about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the best part. Uh, a day that is really an unhappy day means you didn't learn something. And if you got two things, boy, it was a great day. Have you ever had kind of a like game-changing moment in your career, I'm sure, that has spanned so long, um, that was a big challenge to you that is like your biggest lesson, something that you took away. (laughs) changing wow. That's a tough question because the changes really, for me, have come on a daily basis. Things that that were big differences. um, Oh, way back from when I was just a, a kid, four or five years old, when um, my mom, who was a harpist, would um, begin her 
her routine before she was to play in a, a, a symphony or a concert. And she had a set of exercises that she would go through. And the kid um, was permitted to sit nearby. Uh, she had a music room that had a, a window seat in it. And I was permitted to sit there. But, oh boy, you don't make a sound. And so I was sitting in the window. I was watching her and the golden harp. And one wall of this room was mirrors. And so I could see all these things reflected and shiny. And I could still see outside. And the garden was large. And, of course, flowers. And I could check out the rabbits and the birds and doing all of this. So that was, that was a moment of knowing what it takes to be an artist and how you have to be on top of your craft mm -hmm. daily, daily. Other big things that uh, that really were influences were new cameras, um, the extraordinary Hasselblad cameras, the medium format were a big change. And then when we were advised to go into a Canon digital, um, when digital was just really beginning to be mainstream. Canon had, at that time, more patents than any other company, and we were so glad we were steered toward the Canon series of cameras, and we remain exclusively Canon today. Not meaning that as a plug, it's just that once having gotten into that and f feeling the way those cameras work, that was a major big thing. Um, having one's own studio. Mm -hmm. uh, artists have a trouble making money, partially because they give everything away. And that's, well, it it's a failing that we all have. <laughs> and when you have a business and you, you own a studio, um, which was a good idea, owning real estate, if you're an artist, is a really good idea. Uh, you know what you have to do to perform, and then having employees, having uh, my studio building and refitting it, that was a major changeover. Um, gosh, and then I guess finding that that husband, uh, mm -hmm. that that's just been an eye-opening experience. Another, you think that sounds funny? Um, that. Uh, that marriage is a big change. This is just an extraordinary adventure. I can't tell you how lucky I am to have found this guy. Now, the truth of the matter is, here's the dirt. <laughs> In high school, I would have followed this guy anywhere. He dumped me. <laughs> and he just kind of disappeared off. And I said, oh, and I was... I really would have followed him anywhere. Right. And it just took 35 years. <laughs> and then, you see, the whole thing happened is that one Thanksgiving we were on a very nice date. He wouldn't go home. And I kept saying, shoo, shoo, you know, uh, girls need space. But then he decided that he liked the pussy cats, And the cats, they liked him instantly. They they deserted me <laughs> and adopted him and so I decided it was okay and so he didn't go home and he has been here ever since I love that do you think that that's kind of helped you 
join into this next chapter of life oh, yes. to have a yes, that's supportive the partner and w- without without this partner i don't know that i'd be alive to be honest yeah what do you think is some of the biggest advice that you could give to an artist starting out and how to figure out how to monetize ah. their craft well in actual fact um Apprenticeship is a major thing. Volunteering, working with arts organizations and under artists whom you feel are of of value, something that speaks to you, an art that that you just can't stay away from. I, to a certain extent. Um, well, I have three college degrees, and while that helped me in the literary department, honestly, it didn't provide any career. And it's hard to know how current college uh, really does that, especially in mm-hmm. arts. There's so much um, politics in arts. And you have to know how to navigate that and stay true to whatever line it is that you are taking. Um, Finding out a little bit about different kinds of arts. Maybe it's something plastic. Maybe it's sculpture. Maybe it's weaving. Maybe uh, it's printmaking. Uh, And I'm very lucky because the photography grabbed me unawares so i had no idea mm-hmm. i was headed for um uh, foreign service for uh ambassadorial type work languages and traveling um, and i it took about two months and i absolutely changed direction entirely you don't know mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's any advice, but that's a circuitous way to answer your question. I just love how you are constantly challenging yourself, it seems. And you look at at it and give it... I just imagine you giving it a little wink and moving forward and figuring it out. Well, that's the deal. And and there is something in the curiosity of trying, well, let's let's see what happens. What is the serendipity... Um, I was mentioning that for my particular book, I invented last week a technique that I had no clue how to do, and it just sort of happened as I was fiddling around with a particular uh, multi-layered image in Photoshop. Not at all what I expected. And all of a sudden, it was there, and I looked at this, and I said, oh my goodness. I wasn't even sure I could recreate it. <laughs> and so I had to go back and kind of unwind and unpack it to uh, figure out what I had done. And it, it was just, it, I, I got fascinated with mm-hmm. with trying out something that was just a little different. Um, and so, yes, it's now part of the book. And I thought I was finished, and yet here's one more thing. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the the... The always trying something new is a big deal. And um, 
in the glamour, uh, your province, I wanted to um, discuss the fact that I decided to do a total facelift mm-hmm. uh, and laser recently. And you know all about this. I've, I'm the amateur here. And well, I was thinking about it for, well, I don't know. Uh, well, you have, to, you have to wait because the good surgeons, uh, it takes 90 days or more right. to get in. <laughs> and so it wasn't uh, a lightly chosen idea, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad that I have done it. Mm-hmm. And, I, well, I did a co- total makeover because I'm... I decided to go blonde. I was a toe-headed child, and now I'm naturally toe-headed again. Yeah. So, so we did everything. And uh, how did you get into that uh, as a profession also? You know, I just thought it would be so interesting to be in that world. I've always been a big believer of you look good, you feel good, you kind of put yourself out there in a different level of confidence and can kind of conquer anything. Um, and I had done hair, I had done makeup, and it just seemed like the next step <laughs> was to go into a career that was even more elevated than those. And seeing the changes that it did make in people was incredible. And hearing their stories and why they wanted to do plastic surgery was just incredible. The, the people were what kept me in it for so long. I think that's, that's admirable. And my own story started in an unexpected way because for the last, oh gosh, since um, probably the mid-2000s, I was in pain on a daily basis. Unfortunately, through medical malpractice of having a recalled prosthesis from the manufacturer. And, well, after, what was it? five major surgeries in six years, um, you essentially that's why I closed my business. I simply could not carry the weight of the cameras and over time. That uh, it, it was really an extraordinary experience of thinking that your professional life, indeed your entire soul, mm-hmm. was done for. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden... The surgeons fixed me, and it was like, okay, I can do stuff. I, I wouldn't say I'm out there running the boulder boulder, but I can certainly scamper, and I can lift weights, and I can do all of these things, and suddenly my body has healed. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing we need to talk about is keto eating, because it's made an extraordinary difference in my life, and having all of these things... Finally, I feel good. And so the added possibility of the beauty mm-hmm. of, of face was, it was a lure. I really wanted to do this because the rest of me has gotten remade um, after all the bad experiences. Then suddenly it has turned around and I'm finding I'm nicer to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, having had the 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 total facelift, mm-hmm. and people are either they're interested, and everybody loves it, 
or they don't notice it at all, which means that they which were, is good. <laughs> they were actually looking at me mm-hmm. and liking me, and what greater compliment? Absolutely, is is that? So now I feel like, oh, I can do public appearances, and if through my new book I will have gallery exhibitions and museum talks. Um, of course, that's a little bit in the future, but I want to look good. I love that. I was going to say, as a photographer, you have an eye for beauty. How has that kind of just guided you through your career and life? Oh, yes. Major big point. Um, I will tell you that over all that time, nobody looked bad in front of my camera. Mm -hmm. That there was something about how very quickly, even without knowing a person at all, just on first acquaintance, I could size up both the facial features, the body language, and then also the personality behind that, and therefore able, within a matter of minutes, to make portraits, to represent that person, maybe even past what they knew they were capable of, Mm -hmm. and therefore it was that very strange personal outreach that I managed to make. How? I, I can't tell you. All I know is that that's what I could do. I would go into a portrait setting and I'd say, I have no clue what I'm going to do. I have no plan. I can't, I can't say, oh, I'm going to use pose number six or number 13 or whatever it was. Absolutely not. The, the person in front of the camera told me what to do in a matter of moments. Do you have advice for people, especially me, <laughs> um, that don't like getting photos taken kind of in front of the camera? Any advice that you Trust have? Trust me, I can <laughs> do this. <laughs> to relax in front of the camera and have yourself shine through. Because I always hear, you don't look like that in real life. Or like it's a uh, strange kind of Photography. I don't know any photography secrets for us non-models out there. Well, I had most fun with people who weren't models. Is putting them at ease. And it's something about just the greeting, the aura of the, the way it's all getting set up, the enthusiasm of the person behind the camera, um, making people feel people feel valuable, wanted, um, that they are glamorous in in their own selves, regardless. Um, I often was called upon to photograph children with differences, down children, uh, and I could always make them look good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's pretty challenging, I would say. My opinion is it's entirely the photographer and the relationship. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. What is next for you? I love this reinvention of yourself. What are kind of some goals? We talked briefly about them, some appearances and 
book signings and will there be another book or oh, yes. what are kind of goals oh, that heavens, we there do? are there are just a bunch of new books because i have so many stories to tell absolutely uh, part of the thing that has come out of the the existing book which is called fragments of spirit um has been that i realized after i wrote all of this about my experiences and knowing artists and knowing Pueblo members, knowing uh, the area, I realized that I had only some of the voice. And so a second book, a companion book, has grown out of that. I am inviting probably more than 50 different people to uh, participate in an anthology. Little difference. Uh, little anecdotes of their experiences, their feelings. And they're all related to the Four Corners area, to Taos in particular, to um, Native American heritage, or working with Native Americans. I've already gotten a, um, a number of different articles. And so each one is going to be a little vignette by someone probably that you would never get a chance to know otherwise. But all different ideas. Um, now I'm looking for someone to write about lowriders and someone to write about um, the importance of the acequias, the ditches in northern New Mexico that are the water, the lifeblood of the neighborhood. So we're working on that. Okay. Um, so that's the next one. And then after that is uh, a book that will be called Wedding Dresses. I've never lost that interest in mm-hmm. weddings. Love weddings. I can go to anybody's wedding. At any rate, it will be all cell phone pictures of wedding dresses, whether they are mannequins, whether they are actual brides, whether they are portions like fancy shoes, um, or just some accessory of a wedding, everything done with the cell phone and manipulated to have no idea what was done to it or what the original looked like. Uh, Some of these will take four or five hours to manipulate in the telephone, and then it goes into Photoshop, and I'll spend a bunch more time. And along with that, the writing will be all kinds of love stories. Short stories, poems, all sorts of things, and again, all my own writing. Because, naturally, having had this husband of mine that that I keep touting, there's lots to tell, (laughs) including one which was uh, just published in a book called um, Love Story with Hardware Inclusions. Hardware meaning um, tools and nuts and bolts, and how the two relate. So that's a small outlook. So that's the next one after that. And then I don't know. I love that. I think also what I love kind of in your companion book is such a community. You've talked about how you've had these amazing people that are writing for forwards for you, for your book. How important do you think community has been and played a factor into your career, your personal life? And how somebody can kind of replicate that in the art world. It's a matter of curiosity. And I mean that in the nicest way. Not um, poking one's nose into um, a, shall we say, a a layer of people's lives that they're not ready to reveal yet. Mm -hmm. But 
asking questions, going places, experiencing things, traveling a lot, uh, just finding out what people are about. And it, it's amazing to, to know this. For instance, here's a great example. Um, I go to the pool several times a week for um, water aerobics, and it's mostly old people. Um, I'm probably one of the youngest ones there. Well, starting talking to these people, they are absolutely amazing in the true sense of the word as what they have done, where they have been, what their professions were, their families, their their travels. Um, it's just finding out about them and chatting a little bit. Um, that's the greatest fun there is, my opinion. I love that. What We kind of touched on this a little bit briefly in the beginning, but do you have any mission or vision statement that you kind of hold true to yourself to keep you motivated or passionate? Oh, I say uh, I'm only as good as the last photograph I made. Uh, I like it. <laughs> that's, that's, of course, an old paraphrase. Only as good as your your last whatever it was that you did, but the the fun of it is that the exploration simply brings one one after another, and one begets the next thing, and so it's that that outreach. Um, honestly, Carl is not nearly as shy as I am. He makes wherever we go, he's found people and things to do faster than I have. That's quite marvelous. The The next big thing that we are going to go and find out about, we just discovered that the artist Cristo has gotten uh, permission in Paris to wrap the Arc de Triomphe, mm-hmm. his um, art being that of a rapper, as they say. Now, that is not the song, but that means as in a package. Uh and this will be, that's next spring. And we want to go immediately. I'm going to make the arrangements. It'll be the fourth time we've been um, involved in one of his events. The last one being in Italy on Lake Iseo. And that was so, an experience like no other. And of course, a book will come out of that. Um, we managed there to become part of the press corps. And so we got time up close and personal with Cristo himself. And, well, other than the fact that he's a darling. And he's this very small little man. And he is, you think I have energy? No, no. I am, I look like I'm catatonic in comparison (laughs) to Cristo. And I can't wait to see what he's doing in Paris. And and that's an experience. A chance that both of us together in Paris that well ultra romance I love that do you have any artists that really inspire you I'm sure you have a huge laundry oh, list of them but good grief <laughs> yes that that's longer than I can possibly reach and in in the book I talk about um, the various uh, photographic artists um, I would say one of the primary ones is uh, a person that you wouldn't think of, Carl Maidens, uh, who is primarily a war, a war photographer. 
uh, or that's what he is known for, um, though that's not all he did. He spoke about how um, he was always looking for pictures that made something inside him tingle. That 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 it was, I. Just an excitement that he knew there was something about to happen that was going to create a photograph of great meaning. And so I would say that's one of the things. Of course, the, the list of, of not just photographers, but all kinds of artists from northern New Mexico who gravitated to that area Oh, from, gosh, the turn of the 1900s and then, well, up till today. I mean, the, the area is just a, a hotbed of arts. Uh, and what? Dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Of course, um, Nikolai Feshin and his portraiture um, is one of the big names. And, of course, there is a Feshin Museum in Taos. That's the... Um, uh, the Taoist arts uh, in his home. And that's some of the most extraordinary work that I think I've ever seen. So start at that. Let's see, Chihuly and Glass. Uh, do you remember when we had that extraordinary um, exhibit at the Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. of his work? And there's one uh, at a similar gardens in London right now of his work that I've seen some things on the Internet. Um, he's one I would love to have been apprenticed to. Uh, I don't know anything about glass making, but just love the the stuff, and I have all his books. I'd <laughs> love that. Well, I can't personally wait. I f- I feel like you're like my art inspiration. Like all of your artistry is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of your experience and knowledge with us. Well, you are most gracious to ask me. Thank you so much. I just love talking about these things. And you're a great host. Tell everyone where they can find you and find information of the book release. And Understood. Well, I'm on Facebook, Sarah Francis. No H, please. <laughs> and, and, and Francis with an E-S. And Denver, of course. And I'm on Instagram and uh, on LinkedIn. And I would love to hear from people. I try to post fairly often about the book. I have a subsidiary page under my name on Facebook about the first book, Fragments of Spirit, and now about the second book, the anthology, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have a name yet. So you can suggest what you think it might be. I love that. Well, thank you again for joining us. Oh, thank you. It was so nice. It was great to meet you. I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. I know that I loved getting to know the amazing Sarah Francis and being able to sit down with her. I think what I love most is all of her experience and knowledge, but yet that she's always willing and up for the challenge of reinventing herself and looking a challenge in the eye. I think we can all definitely learn a thing or two about how she is always evolving, growing, and learning. I even loved getting to 
chat with her a little bit about an industry that's near and dear to my heart, the plastic surgery world, as most of you might know, is where I kind of got my start in the small business world. So I'd love to hear what her experience was like and how that really changed her life and helped with her reinvention. So thank you for another amazing work from Dr. Brent Smith here in Denver. I can't wait to see her new book, Fragments of Spirit. So be sure to check her out and follow along at sarahfrancisphotographer.com and on Facebook and Instagram, Sarah Francis Photographer. Until next time, I hope that you always stay glamorous.